Hey, listen, we are smack dab in the middle of our five-week kind of talk series called Happy Life. And it's been a really cool journey for us as we talked about choices last week and giving the week before and you're going to heaven, What's, what are you so mad about the first week? But you know, this week is going to be deep and personal for a lot of us in the room. This week is going to be a tough week for a lot of us to kind of sift through and stomach, and it's going to be powerful and it's emotional. It's even emotional for me as I was writing it, because this is something that I think a lot of us deal with, and a lot of us kind of ask this question that I'm going to put up on the screen, and a lot of us have trouble reconciling this question with a happy life, because we believe this. We believe that if you've said yes to Jesus and you are a follower of Jesus, then your life should be the happiest, healthiest life, that Christians specifically should be so excited to live life each and every single day. So here's the question that we want to ask as we continue to look at happy life. Here's the question. If God is real and good, then why do bad things happen? If God is real and we believe he is, and furthermore, we believe he's good, then why do bad things happen on this earth? Why do bad things happen in our own personal lives? Why do bad things happen in the world that we see? Why do tragedies happen in news stories? Why do bad things in this world happen? And I've asked this question a lot in my own personal life, and I've come up with the answer to this question, and I think that it's cool and real, but we all need to be kind of open about this as we kind of unpack this topic together. And here's the answer, right? Sometimes we have to be okay with saying, I don't know. Sometimes we just have to be okay as people to go, hey, listen, we're not God, and we don't know the answers to all these questions. Recognizing as human beings, don't miss this, and I'm so fired up and passionate about this today. Recognizing that there are questions greater than our understanding. It does something. It positions us to do something. It positions us to understand there is a being greater than ourselves. You know why I know this? Because you're not God, and neither am I. We've all kind of thought about this, right? Because in, in life, we like to control things, don't we? And we all like to control things, and we all like to have answers to all of those questions. But if God is real and good, then why do bad things happen? Because really, at the end of the day, we're not in really control of anything except maybe dinner. And if you're a teenager, you're not really in control of that either. And if you're like a, a guy, you're generally not probably in control of that. But we don't have control of a lot of things in all of our lives. But I want to kind of make a point about human beings, about us, about what we do in our own thought process. And here's the point I want to make. We all have these things in our life called expectations, don't we? We all have expectations. We have expectations of what our life should be like. We look at the lives of others or see movies or TV shows about expectations and what our lives should really be like. And we all want to live to 95 and we want to be old and we want to have grandkids and we want to grow up and we want to have the perfect job. We want our kids to grow up and be really successful, and we all have per the perfect life and find the perfect spouse. We want them to be happy and healthy and successful. Those are a lot of our expectations in life, right? But then so often, what happens to us as people? Our expectations aren't what? Aren't fulfilled. Things don't go the way that we want them to go, the way that, don't miss this, the way that we expect that they should go. And then so what do we do? We say, why is God allowing bad things to happen? Why is God allowing things to happen that we don't want or we don't expect? Where is he in this? God, where are you? If God is good and real, then why do bad things happen? Especially as we talk about our expectations in life. But here's the truth. Really, when we look at our expectations, we have to ask a question about bad things because we tend to lump everything into the bad things category when they don't go the way that we want them to. Here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. 
are things really bad? Now, don't get me wrong. There is tragedy and there is disease and there is disaster all over this world and we see it and there are bad things that happen, but so often related to when we blame God for things or we think God is not going the way that we want him to or he's not good, it's just that our expectations aren't being met. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this, are things really bad or they are, are they not what we expected? Because that's important for each one of us is that we think through our daily life and our thought process. Because, I want to make a point, there is this land of in-between what is good, what is bad, and what we expect. And if we, the truth is about a lot of us, a lot of our happy life, a lot of what creates happiness in our life is related to what? What we expect. And when things don't go the way we expect, or when things aren't what we expect, what? we become unhappy. So we want something to go this way, and things aren't the way that we expect, so what happens? We're mad, and we're angry, and then we tend to do what? We tend to blame God. So I want to make a point as we kind of dive into this today, because this is so important for each one of our lives, because things are not going to go in life the way that you always expect them to go. And when things aren't what you expect, this is so important, when things aren't what you expect, don't forget how good God actually is. When things aren't what you expect, don't forget how good God actually is. Why? Why would I do that? Aren't I a human being with thoughts and desires? Why, aren't, why don't things go the way that I should expect them to go? And furthermore, why should I always remember how good God really is? Why can't I sulk in unhappiness? Why can't I do this? It's a good question. But what I'm going to do today is just unpack my argument with you based on a guy who lived thousands and thousands of years ago. And his name was Job. I like to call him Job, right? That's how it's spelled, and I was an English major. Now, before I kind of go into this, I want to make a couple of points about this, okay? Because this is important. This book written about this guy and his interaction with God and Satan is actually, scholars have proved this, it is actually the oldest book that was ever written in the ancient scripture, the Bible. Hold on a second. Adam, are you telling me that the book of Job was written before the book of Genesis? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. We've done our research on it. It's not actually before it in the text, the way that it's laid out, but scholars equate it to being written before the book of Genesis. In fact, it is a book which is said to be this idea of wisdom literature, that man is seeking after his own heart to find out, who the, find out the answer to the question, where is God? It's actually the oldest book that was ever written. In fact, it's a controversial book because of this. Christians kind of debate this back and forth, and they say, hold on a second. If it's the oldest book that was ever written, did it actually happen? Was this a story that actually happened? And scholars and theologians have debated this for centuries, and if you've been in church for a while... You may have never heard this before, but we've researched this, and yes, we believe this is a topic that's debatable. And then so people say, okay, if so if this is just a wisdom literature story, how can it be true? Do you believe that it's true? Yes, I believe that it's true. Let me tell you why I believe that it's true. Because we look at the life of Jesus, and how did Jesus teach? Jesus taught in stories to prove a point, to prove the truth. So if this book is not an actual event, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, it doesn't matter. The truth that lies in the pages of what happens to Job is so powerful and so revolutionary, specifically as it relates to the question, hey, if God is real and good, why do bad things happen? Because Job 
He was kind of this test subject, subject for God and the devil. Job was this guy who was about to be tested. But before I tell you about why he was going to be tested and why his faith in this almighty God was going to be tested, let me tell you a little bit about Job. So if you have a scripture, you can open up to the book of Job chapter 1. If you don't, no worries. As always, it will be on our screen. You can use a smartphone or a smart device if you want to. Job chapter 1 verses 1 through 4, it says this, In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Feared. It's an old word used throughout the ancient scripture. Do you want to know what it means? It just means he respected God. He respected God's and God's laws that he put in place, right? But he was shameless, he was blameless and upright. He shunned all sorts of evil, and he was successful. In fact, it said he had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. You know what this means? It means Job was rich. Job was powerful, and Job was very, very successful. He was probably looked up to by many in the community. This was a powerful, successful man with a large family. This guy had it all, right? But then something happened. Now, the book of Job, I want to talk to you about the book in the scripture, because it is actually 42 chapters long. So what we've decided to do today is we've decided to go through it chapter by chapter. So we've asked the museum to stay open a little bit longer. So if you plan to be out of here in 45 minutes, we're going to go through chapter by chapter. So you're going to be here until about 3 o'clock today. But other than that, I'm just kidding. But Job is an extremely long book, and it's filled with drama and language that's beautiful and this interaction between good and evil, God and Satan, and this guy named Job. And so a lot of times people will ask me, Adam, I'd like to go deeper during the week. What can I do? So I just want to challenge you. If you want to go through this, read Job this week. Go to it and just read it. And if you don't have a long time, read the Wikipedia version of it, right? At least dive in a little bit more during the week. But I will forewarn you, what happens to Job is depressing. It's not good things that happen to this guy. Because Job was this guy who was so powerful and so strong and so amazing and had this awesome family and was wealthy and rich. And then Satan and God were having a conversation. In this book, Satan and God were having a conversation about this guy, Job. And you want to know what Satan, evil, you want to know what he said? God, you think this guy loves you? You think this guy fears you? You think this guy is going to honor you? The only reason he does is because you've given him everything and he's rich. That's the only reason that he fears you and loves you so other people can see that he loves you too. The only reason he did it was because you made him rich and you gave him a whole bunch of stuff. God said, I don't think so. I don't think that's the reason he loves me. And I believe that God just allowed what's coming next to happen so that other people in the community could see what was happening, how much Job actually loved God. So God said to Satan, hey, I don't think that's true. Tell you what, I'm paraphrasing here, folks. You're going to see it written in many different ways in the text when you go read it. But I'm paraphrasing. And he said, I don't think so. In fact, you can test him. You can test him so we can see if he really does love me. Now, the next part for some of us in the room is just going to be deep and emotional because some of the things that happened to Job that I'm going to talk about have happened to us. And it's not the easiest thing to look at. It's not the easiest thing to digest, but it's real and it's true. And they are these things that are bad that happened, right? I can't imagine 
as we talked about expectations as we began, that Job's expectations for his life had anything to do with what was coming next. So the tragic thing that happened to Job where his children died. And I'm going to just talk about a few of these things that happened to him, but his children died, all of them. I'm not a parent. I haven't lost a child, but I know that there are many people who have, and I can't imagine the pain that goes into that. His livestock are gone, his entire business, completely wiped out in history. This man who was so successful, some of us, that's happened to before. And then he loses his health, right? And his health, the one thing that he has, is actually gone. And then the person who probably should be supportive of him the most says this to Job. His wife tells him, you know what, it's that bad. Why don't you just go kill yourself? Why don't you curse God and die? Now, my wife said that to me on Thanksgiving, but other than that, it's been it, okay? I'm just kidding, she didn't. But can you imagine being in that situation? Imagine being at your low of lows, and why we didn't spend so much time exploring all those other chapters was because this goes on and on and on, and tragedy after tragedy and terrible thing after terrible thing. I guarantee you Job didn't line up, or his expectations didn't line up with that, right? So I started to ask myself this question as I was reading through Job in the past month. This was the question. Do you think Job expected his life to be like this? And the answer that I can only come up with is no. And I can only imagine that in our life, we have expectations, and sometimes they're just not met. So then, throughout this entire journey, throughout this entire book, there's one question that Job is seeking after in all of this. And he's seeking after this question, and it's the same question that so many of us seek after as we go through daily life and as we try to reconcile bad things with God. This is the question, where is God? And Job sought all over for it. He sought from friends, as many of us do. And we always know that when we seek answers from friends, like we're never going to get the proper answer of where is God, right? Because we're not God. But then finally, toward the end of the book, there was a point in time where God was interacting with Job. And this is where the literature comes in, the wisdom literature that this is. And God asks Job a question, and it is the question that gives us the answer to the question that I put up at the beginning of the day. God says this to Job, Job, were you there when I created everything, the earth, the heavens, everything in it? And Job, of course, was not there. And God was implying to Job, hey, I'm way bigger than you. I'm way bigger than you will ever understand or imagine. And Job in that moment knew as he was questioning and answering the question, where is God? He knew that God was there and would never, ever leave him. He never, ever lost his faith, regardless of the bad things that happened to him. And then after God went through those questions with Job, reminding him how big he was, Job replied with this in Job chapter 42, verse 2. He replied saying this. I is talking to God. I know you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? He was talking to Job. It is I, and I was talking about the things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, 
and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And he goes, I had only heard about you before. Then he said, through his suffering, through the bad things. I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said. I sit in dust and ashes to show my what? Repentance. To show you, God, that I'm sorry for thinking that just because something bad happened to me, that you are bad. No, you are good, and I'm sorry for me questioning you. We don't know the answer to the question, but we do know this. We do know that God keeps his promises to us and will never leave or forsake us. So what happened next to Job was amazing. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life. Don't miss this. Even more than in the beginning. For now, he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job more seven more sons and three more daughters. Talk about a full house, right? So the moral of the story is this. The moral of the life of Job is this, is that when bad things do happen, because gang, here's the truth. This is what's so key and what's so important. It doesn't matter if it's a big thing or a small thing. At the end of the day, at the end of our life, they're going to happen to all of us. And that's okay. We don't need to let that affect our life and allow us to have, we need to have a happy life regardless. But I want to make a point. And this isn't a depressing point, it's just the truth. And when we understand this day-to-day -day life gets easier, happiness gets just a little easier. Here's the point. In this life, there will be trials. In this life, you will have trials. You can mark my words. And if you're a human being who's breathing, you know you've had trials. It just happens. It happens to all of us. And we tend to let, we tend to let that affect our happiness. Well, unhappiness develops when our trials don't line up with our expectations. So we have our expectations, then we have a trial. And what happens in our life, it leads to unhappiness. But allow me to make a point that I can see through the life of Job, and that I can see that impacts every single one of us. It's this, God has still blessed us through the trials of our life. And when you're in the middle of it, that's hard to realize. It's hard to realize when you come out the other side of it even right away. But when you think back over your life, you understand that the blessing of God, just like in Job's life, never, ever left. And so as we think about this, we talk about circumstances. Because our expectations lead us to wind up in circumstances, and that generally is what affects our happiness. And so we started to ask this question around here, and I think it's so good. This is a question. I want everybody to just marinate on this because it's so key and so important to what we're doing. Am I going to allow my circumstances to determine what I believe about God? Am I going to let today what I'm dealing with, what I'm going through, what I'm ingrained in, what is so difficult, am I going to allow my circumstances to determine to, believe, to determine what I believe about God, or will I let God determine what I should believe about my circumstances? Or 
Will I let God determine what I should believe about my circumstances? See, when you understand how big and massive God is, this ever-present creator of the universe, we understand that from beginning to end, the blessings of God are upon our life. So, for the past 10 years, it's crazy that it's been 10 years, it's time to retire soon. Um, for the past 10 years, I've had the privilege of working with an organization called Camp Kidjam. Many of you know that before um, I started doing this at Downtown Harbor, I worked with kids for years and then did family ministry for years. And I guess somewhere along the way, somebody thought I had a big personality, right? And so they were like, let's put them on stage with kids. And so I've been doing that for a little while. And um, two years ago at camp, I met this kid. His name was Evan. And um, he was our photographer. And he took really great pictures. And then last summer... Um, I liked his picture so much. I interacted with him a little bit. I did not know him well. I'm an adult who works at this camp, so I have things to do during the day. The rest of these guys are kind of interns, so like we don't get to interact that much. But I remember interacting with him a little bit, and I said, I really like your pictures. And he said, thanks. I said, could you do me a favor? I said, could you take me a new Facebook cover photo when I'm on stage? I just need one. I don't have one. Mine's not good. He said, yeah. So we did, and it's there. If you want to check it out at some point, it's there. It's really cool. It looks great. And so about a month ago, when he's 19, about a month ago, um, I was interacting with the director of the camp that I work with, and she said something to me. She was kind of emotional. I said, you all right? And she said, no, not really. And I said, what's going on? She goes, Evan, the 19-year-old, just dropped dead. I said, what? She goes, yeah, he just, he just died. I said, what, what, what happened? She said he was taking pictures in a park. It's just photo, you know, taking photos of landmarks in a national park. And I said, what was the cause of it? She said he had an enlarged heart valve and he didn't know it. The family didn't know. Nobody knew. Tragedy. So I talked to her three days later. And I said to her, I said, hey, because she went to the funeral. I said, how's the family? She said something to me that I will never, ever forget. She said they are so sad but they have unspeakable joy. I've never seen a celebration or a funeral like I saw at that kid's life. And I said, why? And they said, never forget. She said, because they know God's writing a bigger story than this moment. And see, Evan, this kid who took pictures at camp, whose light shined to so many, was a follower of Jesus. And see, Job, this guy who was living thousands of years ago, right, that they wrote about Job, he lived before the time of Jesus. And Jesus came into the world and said to each one of us, hey, I am who you've been waiting for. I am the Messiah. I am the one true living God. I'm going to predict my own death and resurrection. And if you believe in that, then you're made right with God. We have that information. So really, at the end of the day, even though there are bad things, and we understand that they don't always line up with our expectations, really, God is good. And we're, we've been made right, should we have said yes to Jesus. In Romans 8, 28, it says this. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Everything to work together for the good, even in the bad. And you know, I started to think about this. I started to think about what it's like to be going through something bad. 
and tragedy, when you are just down at the end, and so many of us have been there in so many ways, and at those moments, it is so hard to remember who God is and that he has us held right in his hand throughout our entire life, that the blessings of the Father are on us. It's hard for us to remember that. But I'll tell you this, there's hope. If you're going through something bad, never forget that the blessings of God are real and there is hope and that you can put one foot in front of the other and live to tomorrow and make it work and pick up the pieces and start again. But never forget that it's our reaction to those things that lead to our happiness. Bad things happen to all of us. It's our reaction that determines our happiness. The next time that something doesn't go your way, the next time that your expectations aren't met, I want all of us to remember this. For the little things and for the big things. Because some of, in the, some of us in this room are going to deal with some little stuff today, right? And some of us are going to deal with some big stuff. Bad things happen to all of us. They do. It's our reaction that determines our happiness. And for everything that I can say, if you would hear my voice, look up here, don't miss this. It does not mean that God is gone or that God is evil or bad. He told us he is good and will never leave. Allow our reactions to lead to the happiness in our life. Let me pray for us. Dear God, I am so thankful for who you are, and I'm so thankful for the ancient story of Job, who went through so much. Some of us could never even understand or grasp or imagine that, but from the beginning of time, you do, and you knew, and you understand, and you understand that you're writing a bigger story. We understand that today, God, and we just say yes to you, and God, we're so thankful that you sent Jesus into this world so that we could always understand that you are good and that that does lead to happiness and that it leads to a happy life. And dear God, I'm so thankful for who you are and what you do. I do just take a moment and pray for anyone in this room who's going through something that is bad, that hasn't lined up with their expectations, that you would comfort them, that you'd be there for them, that you would surround them with your grace and your hope and your peace. And may we be a community of people that will hold each other up we pray this today all in Jesus' name, amen.